Hi, everyone. I'm so excited to introduce the real funny millionaire. She is a comedian. She is, can I say one of the first like computer science PhD candidates from China to the US or? I don't know if it's the first, but I definitely am one. <laughs> okay, awesome. She's literally the funny millionaire. She is traveling everywhere. You may see her on TikTok. You may see her on just various shows all around the country. Bernice Ye, how are you doing? Oh my God, thank you so much for having me. I'm doing great. Uh, we just got into LA last night. So happy Chinese New Year to you. <laughs> yes, oh my God, happy Chinese New Year to you too. Um, what zodiac animal are you in the Chinese horoscope? I am a pig. <laughs> My mom was a pig too. Yeah. 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 Drew, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I got made fun a lot when I was a kid because I was also chubby. So people always say, "Yeah, yeah, you're chubby. You eat too much." And then, <laughs> and, you're and they always call me, call me Drew. And like, I, I, only I, after I left China. <laughs> I always thought the pig was like has a blessed life. That's what I heard because like everyone would say to my mom, "Yeah, you know, you have the good life. You're oh. enjoying luxuries." That's what I heard from like people born the year of the pig. Um, it's always the goat. Oh, really? That's really? Like, right. That's what I heard. I mean, because <laughs> um, I just know that for pig, it's a you. You are loyal and honest. That's the personality I got. Um, and I recently, I just uh, I think my life is great now, but earlier life was pretty hard. So I blame my short forehead. My forehead is too short. <laughs> <laughs> they say if you have a big forehead you have a good early life really oh I did not know that I'm learning something today. <laughs> awesome so oh my god I have so much to I don't even know where to start I feel so there's so many parallels uh, in our lives so you say yeah you, you are like a canceled Chinese but you're perfect American so I have so many questions so what is a canceled Chinese in your mind well the the reason I use that is even before this uh, cancel culture become like the cancel become a buzzword uh, when I became a U.S. citizen right like um, and the first time I go back to China to travel I have to apply for a, a U.S. Uh, a visa to go to China because they don't uh, China does not acknowledge dual citizenship so when I mail in my Chinese passport you, I'm pretty sure you got the same thing, right? They cut it up. Yeah, I they had cut to cancel your Chinese passport. They right. put a big stamp that canceled. <laughs> <laughs> so when I got it, I was very hurt. I was like, oh no, I'm canceled by the government. <laughs> Official, you know, That's like hilarious. you got a stamp. Oh my God, that I, that brings up so many memories. Oh my God, so yeah. Um, so we are we are all canceled. <laughs> oh right. Oh my God, you already have it. So I'm not. I'm not gonna. Say that. <laughs> That's so true. So can you tell us, like, what was coming to America like? What's it coming to America like? So I came to the states uh, in 2004. Gosh, that was like 18 years ago now, forever long. And when I came, you, you know, like. Because at a time um, in, in China, I, I feel I was so suppressed with, you know, whatever I want to do, there's always people say, no, you cannot do this. You cannot do that. And in my earlier life, um, my family, like my parents, they were in a very miserable marriage, but they refused to get divorced because of saving the face. So I just had a desire. I want to be away from home at 
as far as I, I can, even though I didn't speak much English. And then like I went to Peking University. And uh, so I lived in Beijing, right, for four years. And then I got into Purdue, it's in Indiana. So it's all of a sudden it's me, a girl doesn't speak much English. I don't know much, uh, but I was determined I'm going to make it work. And then I actually didn't miss home very much. Um, <laughs> and then the, the, the quick thing is like when I first arrived, I, um, you might have the same thing, like the Chinese community was very nice in the beginning, especially the guys. Cause they were like, oh, a new girl, maybe can pick one up from the, the, the bus, you know, <laughs> but then because, because I uh, somehow I went to a dance party, I was dancing, I met a guy, he's from the UK, and then we hit it off, and you know how when we learn English, we learn very basic, like, but it's a UK pronunciation, yes, yeah, so yeah. We, we both say tomato, right, like, mm -hmm. and oh my god, there's so much chemistry, so I started dating this British guy and then the Chinese community turned on me yeah because they were so mad like the, the Chinese guys just, oh you just came and you don't date Chinese guys how dare you and they turned on me they don't invite me to all those things you know so in a computer science somehow my American friends or other international students adopted me because they were like invite me to party so um, I was kind of in this type of boot camp of Go to parties. I don't understand anything they say, but I decided I'm just going to stay. And I asked the questions. What are you saying? They got so tired of explaining things to me. They pointed me to, oh, just use Urban Dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, I learned my English from Urban Dictionary, wow. which, is, which is pretty terrifying because everything is dirty. It's very perverted, whatever you, you say. Like, even if you look up donuts, it's dirty. So... <laughs> Now, now I need to look up because I feel like I don't know what donuts means anymore, and I have to look. I mean, it. I feel like it's all the dirty sexual things. There's food, like if you ask. <laughs> That's so Cream pie is bad. <laughs> That's so funny. I I can totally relate, and I totally understand. Like I, um, there's just so much complexity with like you know Chinese guys like I mean they should know like the Chinese girls were aborted and that's like okay there's a million of us still even mm, if you yeah. abort like half of us there's still like at least a million I'm just kidding but but <laughs> I I totally understand and mm -hmm. um in, in terms of like okay so you in my mind it's like you're the perfect daughter like you went to Beijing University which for people listening who are not Chinese that's like Harvard and you're studying computer science so it's like yeah. like you're like at the top you know so what were your parents like sad to see you like leave to America like you know because you achieved so much you know what were their thoughts really like did you tell them after mm. you got the visa like how, how did they handle you going to America so I don't know if I am the perfect daughter I think I I was the perfect daughter until I got into high school uh, because I'm this weird kid because my parents, they quarrel so much and I'm a big introvert. Uh, my biggest escape is study. I I am weird, okay? I enjoy study. I would lock myself in a room and a role play the math teacher. <laughs> I think you froze. I would teach myself the lesson that breaks down. I am like total weirdo when it comes to study. I enjoy it. But when I got into high school, can you still hear me? Oh, no. Yeah, so you were live for a little bit and juicy. now you're back. Can you see me now? Okay. 
Yeah, can I can see you now. Okay, perfect. Yeah, I was just I'm like using the hotspot. Okay, it's good. It's, it's okay. Good. Where we were? Where yeah, you we just were. got cut off. You were role playing your uh, math teacher. Yeah, so that's before um high school, and then my mom went to a different city to work. Um, and then so then my dad had to uh, follow her. So they went to a different city. I was in boarding school in high school. And our high school is very strict because like it's one of the best in our region is in Hubei, right? You know, Hubei, Gaokao is like very intense. And um, um, so we're like strictly not allowed to date. Uh, you got to study. We get up every day at 6 a.m. And we study until midnight. That's every day for me. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Because school ends at 9 p.m. And, and then I will go back and study until midnight. Wow. Yeah. And so that's very intense. But then at some point, I went to the high school. I was the number one in the city. So my name was on the newspaper. And yeah, so the teacher had very high expectations of me. But somehow I started like dating, like not dating, because in China, you are not allowed to date, but you like a boy, the boy like you. And somehow when you got to know him by the teacher, it's a long, very long story. We got into big, big trouble. Like I remember I have to write an apology letter, like I will have to write a thousand times. I have to go to the front of a class. I have to read in from people. It was the biggest shame of the whole school. Yeah. And it was so like I was. It was the hardest time of my life. And I haven't talked about this part in other people's podcasts because nobody would really understand what those times is like. Um, and then the teacher would make a point to punish both of us in front of the class. Like they will ask an impossibly difficult question and, and then will uh, point at me, say, hey, and then point the, 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 the boy, you know, and... Uh, and then they will say, oh, look, the number one student of the year cannot solve this simple problem. This is an example of distraction, of dating. And I was constantly putting this type of pressure. Yeah. But wow. and then my, 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 my uh, uh, grades were dropping. And then it's like a um, worse. What is it? Um, like vicious cycle, like kind of vicious cycle. It was a vicious cycle until at some point in the last year, I told the told my mom, I cannot deal with this. I have to quit. I have to go home and study on my own. So all this time, my mom is very mad at me, right? But then I said, if I want to go uh, do the school, I have to go in my own way. And so my mom had to go to the teacher and the teacher come to like, if you want to go to Peking University, there's zero chance, zero chance. But if you want to go to Wuhan University, yeah, go do it. And my mama has to do the signature. And so with that level of pressure, like I was prepared to kill myself. If I literally, that's the level of pressure. But I was, I got nothing to lose. I'm going to fight for this. So I'm like studying for my life. <laughs> but I got into Peking University in the end. So oh my God. Wow, what a story. Oh my God. I have so many questions because I like I grew I was in China from like 1996 to 2000. And um, I guess for people who don't understand like Western audiences, it's like if you even flirt with somebody before 18, they think you're like 
from the mafia or something like you're like yeah, some yeah. sort of like low class right and then after 25 oh, yeah. if you're not married they're like oh you're like a leftover so it's like this just a very like messed up toxic culture but oh my god and they literally <laughs> told you you couldn't go to the top universe and then you made it that's the ultimate fuck you yeah. i love that did the did you like i'm very petty so like did you go back to the teacher after you got in? And then, I mean, they must have known, right? Because like, you know, going to college know. is like a huge deal. What yeah. was the teacher's reaction? I'm, I'm sure, were they still teaching? <laughs> the teacher later will list me as his one of his, uh, what is the um, uh, prodigy? Yeah. That's <laughs> so messed up. Oh my God. Wow. But that's, was it a guy? Who like shamed you in front of the class? That's he. Yeah, is a man. He is. Is he is actually. Uh, he made a reputation of his numbers of Tsinghua and then Beida uh, graduates. Yeah, he has. He holds the highest number, and that's how our school get recognized. That's how the teacher get their bonus. So he's very strict, and he's very proud of that too. What a what a crazy! I love this story though. That's amazing. So okay, so, let's so you know what? Now you know I'm not a standard good daughter. I cause my parents a lot of headache. But it, like that's that's incredible to me. You're like superwoman now. It's like oh my god. Um, and then what was it like going through like university as um like what what was per, what was like like Purdue versus Beida? Like what would you say mm. about the two schools? Mm. So in Beida, it's interesting because for me, uh, it's so easy. Like, I finally, I'm away from home. And then how we studied back in high school in Hubei, right? And then my roommates, they're from um, the Beijing, Peking, universe, uh, from Peking, from like big cities. And they feel like, oh, they have to catch up. And for me, I treat half as what I do. And as I can still do good grades. So I feel like, oh, it's good. Um, and then I will escape class. I will go to the bar district. And so that was very fun. However, you think Peking University is like the best, but then years away when I went between 2000 to 2004, um, every night they will lock our dorm room. You're locked in at 9 p.m. And then, yeah, and then they will shut the, the power. And then so you don't have power. And uh, my, my whole dorm room, six of us living in it is a smaller than our rv we live in bunk beds it's like prison it's like prison <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy wow. yeah and I study computer science so if you don't have electricity you cannot do your homework right so i bought a laptop so that i can have that little bit extra juice to use after they shut the power mm-hmm. and okay. over the weekend they don't shut the power so i would get a loaf of bread i would stay up 48 hours, no stopping to do my homework so that I have electricity. I study because of the electricity. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. This is incredible. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, many. But then, <laughs> yeah. But one thing with computer science, though, is interesting because China, we're years behind the US. So when I went to uh, um, Peking University to study computer science, boys are not so much ahead of girls. It's all new for us. It's not like the boys have years of programming at home before they come in. So we actually start with the same starting 
a point, and we have 12 girls and 28 guys, so one to two ratio in a computer science major. That's amazing. And the girls are killing it. They're like the top 10 students, like eight were girls. Wow. So that's very refreshing. I think that gave me some more confidence in like a, a woman in tech when I come to the US because in graduate school at Purdue, uh, there are like 120 students. There are three women. Wow. I know it's very intimidating, but I feel like because I know, like nobody can say you are not good because I know I'm good. I just need to learn my English and all that stuff. So yeah, I think that actually helped me uh, coming into a brand new environment. That's overwhelming. That's so incredible. Wow. I, this is <laughs> one of my favorite interviews, seriously. <laughs> so um, now they have to learn Chinese to give funding for you know their tech projects. So now you right. Um. So, oh my God, now it's crazy that you're a comedian. Like literally everything that you've told me is like so amazing. And you're also an amazing comic too. But like, what made you decide like one day like, oh, hey, I want to do comedy. What was it? <laughs> Yeah, it's something that I probably never thought about before because you, I grew up in China. I don't even know what stand-up comedy was. I don't know this art form. And I never dreamed of being a comedian, especially like in an English uh, comedy because learning English is already hard enough, not to mention humor right. and the cultural reference. But I, one thing I know is I just say what's off my mind. I always make people laugh. And then I think it's because I surprise people. They never know what I'm going to say. And I'm, being a Chinese, I'm very honest. I just say what it is. And then, so that part I always know. But I still never thought about doing stand-up comedy. Um, it's just like I, as my path is so engineering and analytical focused that there's always a part that is very like, like creativity. I have this desire to be creative. Um, so I love dancing. I wasn't able to dance. So somewhere once I settled my work at a Microsoft, uh, somehow I got into this flash mob thing and this dance group and did yoga. I did 200 hour yoga teacher training. And I just like somehow the, 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 the creativity in my mind, just like, oh my God, I want to run away, join the circuit. I want to quit this corporate job. And then all that desire just opened up. Um, so I feel like I'm very good at my job, like at a, at a Hulu, my last job, I actually um, become a lead. I manage a team of like six to five super high performer. They are ready to promote me to the senior manager as a next step. Uh, but I also know like there's something that I feel is missing. Like I feel after a while I get bored and I have the desire to do creative things. And so five years ago, I just made a goal is I want to be Five years from now on, I want to have a creative pursuit that I do, that it, it's my business. So I'm not just doing it for fun. It will generate income, but I have enough passive income that build up to allow me to pursue that. And I don't know what that is, but I think somehow you plant a seed in me that I, I want to go to that route, right? I worked hard my all my life. I think I deserve to do what my heart desire at this point. And one thing leads to another, um, okay, this is a thing you can laugh at me. At night, uh, I do this, my skin routine, I wash my face, I do my face mask, whatever. 
I got bored, so I start watching Netflix specials because that's the best thing to watch while washing face.、Yeah. You don't have to get <laughs> too addicted. You finish one episode is perfect. <laughs> and as I watch more and more, I notice that I think like a comedian. Like all the things that stuck in my head、uh, in the shower are the things that comedians talk about. And so I feel like. Hey, one of those days, I want to try that. I want to give it a try. So in 2019, I had a New Year's resolution that by the end of the year, I just want to do one, go to one open mic. But because I told people that's my New Year's resolution, like in January, people said, "Hey, there's a class you can sign up," and I did a class and then started the mic, and then I ended up just doing everything. I was featured in the. Uh, Northwest Women's Comedy Festival, like a couple months after that. So it's it's really to me is about if you have an idea, you have to dare to think you're going to do it and say it out loud, and the universe will just send you to the right path. <laughs> I love that because you hosted Crazy Woke Asians. You're like literally everywhere. You're in New York. You're in LA.、Um, what was like your first? Did you start off like at your first open mic? Um, like what was what was it like? What topics did you talk about? Like, just take us through that first open mic experience. Okay, I actually didn't、uh, go to、uh, the open mic as the first thing. I signed up for a stand up、uh, comedy class, which they take you、uh, about four weeks class, and then you write about three to five minutes set, and you perform.、Um, and it's like a graduation showcase. And what I wrote about, I think it just some of the things I I collect over the years. I just always it, it keep happening, right? Like for example,、um, chopsticks. I don't really know how to use chopsticks, and I don't give a shit. I don't know. Do you know? Do you hold it properly? I don't even know anymore. Like I feel like I don't. I still don't. Even, I don't think about it. You know?、Right. You just okay. Use it. So my whole family we hold it like a pencil. And actually, when I use chopstick, it really hurts my hand.、Uh, because when we grow up, my family they they don't have the patience to teach us. We're little kids, right? So we all rebelled. Like everyone in the family rebelled. We hold it like a pencil. And to this day, I can pick up anything. I just don't hold it right. So whenever I go to a Chinese restaurant, all my American friends they were like, "No, we want to use chopstick." And they hold it like very proper, and it was like, "Well, give me a fork, please." Like, <laughs> so I feel like that happens all the time, and I just feel like, "Oh my God, Americans! Like, why do you spend effort trying to learn chopstick when forks are literally easy most of the time?"、Um, so that's kind of like one inspiration. And then,、uh, you know, in China, nobody will ever say ask, you know, what type of Asians are you and stuff. But the thing is. In America, people are very sensitive about. Oh no, we're not supposed to say it wrong, whatever. The thing is, whenever I meet a Chinese person, or whenever I meet a Korean person, the first thing they ask is, "Are you Korean?" And I say, "I'm Chinese," and they're so disappointed. You look Korean to me, like both the Chinese is like, no, no, you don't look Chinese, <laughs> and the Korean is like, what? But I saw you Korean, like. <laughs> so I found it funny because how people in general they're like very scared, like, oh my god, I'm sorry, I messed it around. But the Chinese and the Korean, like, they're like, no, you look Korean. 
<laughs> That's a great compliment because everyone's trying to be Korean these days. I feel you know, yeah, even Chinese know. people are trying to be Korean. So it's like I feel like my perception is always Koreans is that they just dress well, you know, and they look great. So I feel like it's the super compliment. Um, and how has the like the pandemic been for you? Like, how's RV life? What's the past two years? Oh yeah, yeah. The RV life happened in the middle of pandemic. Um, so it's for me actually it gave me a lot of time to to think what how I am going to do this thing because right before the pandemic hits, I was at this point of you know I love comedy, but I really do not like the business of comedy, especially how in Seattle it's very uh, still um, like white male. Uh, comic dominated and for for a woman who have a job to go to a club like I would um, go to a club waiting in line sometimes get into a mic but because I'm not their favorite even though I was there uh, I sometimes I don't get on the list you got to know the people and then sometimes the clubs want you to bartend to 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 work there but then because I have my daytime job I'm not able to do that maybe I'm able to help in other parts of the talent but because I'm not following the traditional way um, I don't get the same type of opportunity right when the pandemic hits somehow um, so first of all I take a break I was very happy so yeah I need a break from this toxic comedy business whatever (laughs) (laughs) but then because people say oh try it on zoom I was able to connect connect with comics in LA I was able to do comedy without going travel so like it actually I'm able to fit into my work schedule better I'm able to continue to write material even though maybe um maybe the, the energy is not there but it's all about expectation right like I'm not there to kale like I'm not there to get the most joy of whatever but then I feel like by people honing my skill uh, writing material I was able to uh, get coaching from teachers from LA I studied with Bobby Oliver uh, she's based in LA um, and the Judy Carter I took her class again online so all this stuff that I would never be able to uh, and you know until the pandemic uh, hits so I feel in a way uh, it helped me to continue to grow and by the time when things reopen again I was doing new stuff. I was ready to go. And so that also helped me to stand out um, among the, the comics too. Another thing, yes, the RV thing, because we love travel. It's getting, when 2020 August, that time, the summer is beautiful. Uh, I was going a little crazy because every time we go outside, we want, oh, let's, this summer is nice now, finally in Seattle. Let's take a trip. There's no way to use the bathroom. Like to me, it's very practical. I need to pee once an hour. And then when you go out, I just, there's no way around it. And I don't like, you know, public bathroom, it's like a lot of them are closed. Um, so, and then you just don't feel safe. And it's like, what are we going to do? Um, it's from previously, we have done some RV traveling. So we're like, you know what? Maybe it's time to get an RV. And then we just, uh, started one one of the, the weekend said, well let's go check out some RV dealership let's just go look and I got so much joy just by shopping for RV you go in uh somehow that weekend we did enough research and then we found this RV. after seeing a whole bunch and then we found this RV and just everything we wanted at a price we wanted 
And the moment is like, shall we just get it? Shall we just get it? <laughs> and, and then so that's uh, what happened. Um, and then I'm really enjoying this lifestyle. I'll pause here so I don't get too far, but yeah. <laughs> this is great. Is it okay if we go a little bit over for the interview? Because I for me, yes. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Yeah, because I'm just so fascinated. <laughs> I'm having so much this. fun chatting with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, I'm learning so much from you. Because um, so now you traveled all over. Like, what's what's been your favorite audience to perform for, or most craziest performance over the country? Yeah, uh, you know when I'm able to get out of the city, um, it, I just have. So much experience because I think on, on a, um, in the big cities on the coast, people assume, make all kinds of assumptions of rural America. Oh, how people are racist and how people are mean to you. I mean, I'm sure there are like people who are mean no matter where, right? They're always there. But then like whenever I'm able to see people face to face, they're kind, they're so kind. They, uh, we, uh, we have stayed in this place in Albany, Oregon. It's a super cute town, like it's outside Portland. Um, uh, the restaurants are really good, people are super nice. We hopped into one um, brewery. Uh, they, they do Harvest Host. So I don't know if you have heard of this thing called a Harvest Host, it's a network for RV travelers. And so a lot of times there are brewery, wineries, museums, they have parking lots. So you can pull your RV to stay there overnight for free if you go there and then buy some of their goods. So some of the winery is beautiful. You're the only person there and you overlook the entire vineyard, you know. Uh, so this brewery is just like kind of the countryside. Nobody knows, but the people are so nice. So like they let you do a beer tasting and then we do a show there. Um, and then in, let me see, in Oceanside, right? That's outside San Diego. Uh, I did this little set in um, in a winery, like a little winery. And after their people uh, just appreciate my show so much, it just dropped out a hundred dollars. And there you are. I love your comedy. <laughs> and and in, in Palm Springs too, that have Palm Desert. Um, and in, uh, I'm sorry, I, I jumped from rural America all, all of a sudden to Oceanside. I have to make a distinction. Oceanside is not rural America, yeah. <laughs> but I'm just saying, all the people that I have met on the road, when they come to in person, I can have such amazing human experience. And people who appear that we have nothing in common from the outside, somehow through comedy, they, they found there's connection in your experience, in your emotions, and then, and then they, the love and the support you receive is very, very touching, yeah. And then in Palm Desert, in the same way, I, I met this woman, like she was just so excited to see me as the woman uh, of the only woman on the lineup. And then she said, oh yeah, finally. And she put, put $20 in my pocket, just go, I haven't even gone on stage yet. She's like, just go kill them. That guy is bombing. I know you're going to do better than him. I was like, okay, pressure song, but I'll take the $20. Uh, and then she came again. Like, you know, another guy bombed. She's like, here's another $20. Go, go kill them. <laughs> and I did my stuff. She's like, here's another $20. Good job. <laughs> that is hilarious. Oh my God. Where in Palm Desert did you perform? Um, that's, uh, that's at the Hood Pizza and the Bar. 
Oh my God. That's so funny because you I know that place. Place. yeah, I think, uh, uh, I think four graduates from Palm Desert High School, they pulled together their funds and they started this, uh, this place, but I love hood pizza. Oh that's my God. What a small world. Wow. And <laughs> Um, I do want to touch on this a little bit because speaking of money, I think you are probably somebody I we should all learn from. Can you touch a little bit about like how you were able to like build your wealth so that you can financially be free to like travel? Like, can you just tell us like how how you got there? Sure, sure. Um, definitely, because I feel like uh, I don't talk about the open because a lot of comics were saying, no, don't talk about people who hate you. Um, you know, but I this year I made one resolution for me is like, this is who I am. I came to America with a thousand dollars, right? I'm able to build from zero. That is the American underdog story. So why should I be ashamed of it? Um, so um, when I, so after Purdue, uh, I got hired at a Microsoft. So it's actually I'm a PhD dropout because um, I was I got my master's degree. And then when Microsoft interviewed me for internship, they, they the interviewer said, oh, by the way, uh, full time it's interview is easier. Uh, in turn, we have very high requirements for your English. And you have to perform in a three month time. So we asked you very tough interview. Do you want to check that box for full time? So I checked the box and I, I got a full-time job. Um, and then so I, I quit <laughs> after after that. Um, so at Microsoft, I came in, it's like, I don't really know anything. Like um, finance, like the, the America's way is very confusing to me, right? Like I've never heard of 401k. What is that? Um, like stock market, I never need to do it. But then for me, I was just very determined. I am going to be, thick skin, I'm going to be shameless. I am going to ask questions. I'm going to learn online. So I try to get a sense about what this all means, starting from zero. But I feel like a lot of times Americans, they just money is tabooed. We don't talk about money. And we're like, no, I want to know. I want, I'm curious. Um, and in 2007, I just started working. I That's like less than a year working at a Microsoft. My Chinese parents, they're like, hey, U.S. house market is very hot. You got to buy a place. You got to buy, buy, buy. I was like, uh, I don't know. Like, so somehow they convinced me. They gave me pressure. I bought a condo. And guess what? 2007, I bought a, at the highest high and the crash happened, right? Like, so it was, I was hurting. I was definitely hurting. Um, I don't really know what to do, but I said, well, I'm just going to sit it out. Um, and at some point, because I, I live in a condo, Okay, so this is a very important part. Uh, when I left Microsoft, I went to a small consulting company. Uh, it's a, a, as a business development. It's definitely not as a stable job. I don't get paid as much as Microsoft, but I, I, I want to try what's outside engineering for me. The company filed a bankruptcy. I was going to move to San Francisco. Uh, so I was mo I moved out of my condo in Seattle. So I got it rented out. Then the, the company filed a bankruptcy. They gave me three months of severage. That's it. Um, so I moved into a small, very small apartment on Capitol Hill. I'm renting. I'm renting. Uh, but that time, you know, because I said I need to save money. I'm not going to spend as much. I'm not going to buy as much. By not working that month, I saved more than when I was at Microsoft. 
So there was an aha moment. It's not about your salary. It's actually about how you how you uh, generate, like how you spend your money, how you invest your money. Because I'm also getting rent by not living in my condo, right? So that's like the first aha moment. Is like, hey, all this time I'm living in my apartment and paying this high monthly mortgage. I'm not even making anything out of it. But now I'm living in a cheaper place. I'm actually making income. I'm working less. Um, so then after a few years, when I bought my second uh, house, um, I lived in upstairs and I rented out downstairs. And I have to do a lot of work to kind of keep up and make the place ready. But at the time, I, I, I figured out the model about living in the place while renting a portion of the out collecting rent and while I'm doing home improvement. There's definitely a lot of like, um, sacrifice, you know, a lot of times in the summers, my friends are having fun. And Bernice, why are you being no fun? I'm on my knees painting the wall. <laughs> I'm doing all kinds of house home improvement projects. Um, but then that also allowed me to have money to save enough to buy another place. And then I have a duplex and my two sets of tenants. So then um, I have more like passive income. And right now when I'm doing RV traveling, um, I, I put my uh, place on vacation rental so then people can, can stay in a house. And then when I go back, I still have a place to stay. Yeah. And then I'm very frugal. I do a lot of things myself. And then somehow uh, I think one way is for me to look at, uh, I don't want to waste any of the resources. If I have a house, can I rent a portion out when I'm, when I'm not home? Uh, can I do Airbnb, you know, and do vacation rental? I love that. This is inspiring because <laughs> I've heard the same too. Like, oh, you can't talk about money. And like, it's so weird. It's like sex and money is so interchange in China versus America. Like all these comics talk about like just the most, like it's just if bodily fluids is okay, you know, and just yeah. like, relationship craziness is okay. But money, oh, it's not okay. Like, do you think there's like a philosophical difference between like, China and America in, in regards yeah, to Yeah, it's, it's, it's a huge, I mean, because here's the thing, right? Um, in America, almost like it's a socially, um, like not polite to talk about money, but it, America is all about money. And, and I feel like it's almost in a way for um, the, the, the company where like your employer to build a system around it. So you don't compare what you get because otherwise if everybody starts to talk about money in the open uh the way how america is i feel we're going to start a revolution you know what i mean like i feel like people are going to oh my god i do the same work and this person got paid me more protests on the street i just feel like we're <laughs> we build a kind of like a social um uh, taboo to prevent some like um undesirable changes by the corporation or the big money um because i think i feel like the rich people oh hell yeah they talk about money they talk about money among themselves they talk about how to uh um you know not paying taxes right but then if everybody knows that <laughs> i feel like yeah so we're using like this brain or convention to to restrain us from being transparent about money 
I love that. I I've <laughs> talked to so many Chinese people about this and they say such similar things. Like it's, yeah. just, I, I, you're right. We might have a revolution on our hands if, you know, people are <laughs> talking about it freely. Um, so have you performed in China? Do you think you're going to do international comedy? Like, what do you think is the next step for you? I would love to. I would love to. I did a little bit uh, a comedy in China. It's very strange. Uh, I, I would definitely say uh, it's, it's hard for me. So I did some expat uh comedy uh, at the open mic first because i want to try um i need to switch up everything right so it's still in english and i feel like what i have been focused on is my experience of china i have to make it that american audience can understand and can relate so there's a lot of setup my setup is all about making sure they can relate but then uh, what I uh, hear is like the Chinese audience, they know exactly where I came from, but then what's assuming common is different. They don't really know everything about in America. Like for example, fortune cookies, they don't know what fortune cookies are, right? Even though it's an expat audience, because some of them, the audience are from Europe or some of them are from like Africa. And so they don't necessarily share this American specific experience um, either. Uh, so I definitely need to do some tweak. And in, in China, you have to be a little bit cautious about what you talk about, right? Yeah. So, so definitely I need to put some filter, but I also know like now that that was a two, two years ago, more than two years ago when I performed in China. And I just did one mic and I did a game show. A game show is just like uh, improv. I don't I don't need to do my prepared material. That was actually pretty fun. Um, now that I feel like I understand the joke structures and how to work a premise in, but you can set up a different ways. Uh, I would love to, to do more for China and international audience because really like for me, I feel like it's all about culture, right? And then all the observation I have is trying to bridge the two sides. So I just need to set it up differently. Uh, during the pandemic, when I did some of the Zoom comedy in Europe, I did some in the UK, some with a uh, German uh, audience, and that hit well too. So I know, um, yeah, because for me, I don't know as deep into the American culture reference or um, a lot of specific American culture reference. So I try to use less of that. And because I use less of that, it's actually easier to appeal to international audience. That's awesome. I love that mm -hmm. tip. It, it makes sense that Germans would resonate with more Chinese humor. I mean, <laughs> I think it's, I, I don't know how to explain it, but um, that that's, that makes sense. And how's TikTok been for you? I know you're very active on there. Like, how has that changed the game for you? TikTok is very interesting. Honestly, I don't I still don't know how it works. I don't, I know some, but I, I think nobody I knows. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's all the algorithm. I think uh, I have, there are times I have met people on TikTok and they they saw your comedy. They were like, and then I say, I mean, LA, and then people actually came out and said, hey, we'd love to see you. So that's a like, really nice surprise because I did not uh, really know it's going to translate like fans who will be willing to come out and see you, you know? But regarding going viral, whatever, it's it's a strength because I recently have one video. I just did a little bit of sketch about, I'm in a, in a restaurant in Palm Springs. 
restaurants, right? Because I'm in a, a Chinese fusion restaurant. It's run by white people. They're like super bougie, expensive. Uh, I did a little sketch. You have 1.3 million views. And it is only, well, it's only because people thought that was real and everybody had problem with me being super rude. And people, first, there's a group of people who love it, they get it. And then people are like, oh my God, you are rude. And the haters and the haters are the one who really make things go viral because they hate you. They, they will comment, they will like have like 50 thread, keep on going <laughs> and they share it to people. <laughs> so to me, sometimes like going viral, I don't even really care as much, uh, but it's more about, I just... Um, hope that I can reach to people more and they get to know me and be interested in my comedy. Uh, I'm going to add more about uh, RV travel because um, you know how the algorithm is like, if you have, uh, is going viral based on certain type of content, the algorithms just stick with that. Like, so if I have post some stand-up comedy video, they like that. Uh, so if I post RV related content, uh, it goes nowhere. Um, but I figured I just have to keep on being more consistent because it's part of my life. I'm doing this comedy thing with RV travel lifestyle. And I know people are interested in that as well. So right now I'm at a little transitioning point. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Awesome. I love that. And what are your goals for the future? Like, uh, let's say in, in a year from now. <laughs> So you are very inspiring to me, by the way, because, uh, you know, like being able to speak uh, your message, um, I realized, you know how you uh, do stand-up comedy, sometimes it's a drunk club audience, you can't get too serious, but then I feel like in my life, um, a lot of my life story should not be limited to what I can get every 10 seconds or every 15 minutes of laugh. Some of them are a little bit more intense and serious, but that can probably help people more when they're in a difficult time. So one of my goals in this year is actually uh, do get into uh, speaking, you know, public speaking, uh, how I can turn my life story into something useful for other people to inspire them. I'm still trying to find that message. And so I would love to pick your brain and like to share with you, uh, to learn that from you. Um, I am also uh, started on screenwriting. So I'm writing a feature uh, based on my coming of stories, the uh, story of like Gaokao. The, the, oh those, my god that's those such years. A topic. yeah <laughs> yeah um, and then you know like being being are you the only child as well yeah 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 during that time there's the expectation of your um because for me why i am so uh oh i want to be the number one of the school because i was trying to prove my grand grandpa wrong because my grandpa is a very old school man he had three sons but all three sons had daughters. So he was very disappointing us. And he actually went to the countryside, find his, uh, like not wife, you know, the, the concubine. He has a concubine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. wow. So he find a concubine's son. So he had the grandson and he tried to bring it home. And he's trying to say, you guys are not worthwhile. And so there's a lot of that pride in me. I'm trying to prove him wrong. So that all that uh, come together I'm writing a, a, a feature script and wow. I start yeah I started last year and of course doing stand-up comedy and all this is hard so this year I'm putting my 
put down like I want to finish my first draft. I want to work with professional uh, like screenwriter teachers to to um to polish it. So that's another thing I'm working on with comedy. I you know I want to find my voice. I think um, of course everybody is like oh when you have a following when you have a fame whatever. I think for me I want to step back. I want to hone my craft, but also be really authentic uh, to myself. And then ultimately why I want to do stand-up comedy is I feel like first-generation immigrant, our stories in America are not well presented. You know, I hear a lot of Asian comics now talk about uh, it's really good to have more Asian American comics, but they just shit on their parents. And I'm like, I'm your parent. I'm the parents that you shit on, okay? (laughs) And it's not easy. It's not easy. I want to come out and represent our first generation immigrant because like we are the one who actually really appreciate America. We actually still, some of us, you know, still believe the American dream. (laughs) We worked hard to be an American. So I feel like uh, in a world right now when everybody have so such like um, pessimistic view of the future. I want to bring some more positivity and hope and to to appreciate what we have and then don't lose sight of some of the, the freedom uh, we earned. Oh my God, I love this. I can't wait for you know your, your screenplay to be out and I wish I could do like a whole damn interview, but unfortunately oh. we're limited, but this is seriously, this is my favorite interview. I'm going to call it. Oh my God, and, uh, it's so fun. You are. Um, no, seriously, I'm so excited because first generation, I have so much, so many things to say about this topic, but I'll save it for mm-hmm. another time. I'll, well, I'll just ask you to for, for an encore, um, but how can we stalk you? How can we find you? How can we book you for shows? Well, thank you so much for asking. So uh, on my website is berniceye.com. Uh, so yeah, just why you like Kanye would put it in. Oh, thank you. And you can find me on TikTok and Instagram at Bernice Comedy. So uh, you will find some videos and then uh, Instagram also posts my show schedule. So please come out, see a show. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Bernice. I had so much fun and I know the people who are watching learn so much and laugh so much. Thank you for being on the show. I am going to ask you for an encore, um, but thank you so much for your time. Oh my God. I had a such a great time just chatting with you. Like it's hard for me to find another person who we have so much overlap and we understand this. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. And everyone go to our website and we will see you on the next episode.